Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm quite sure you've heard the saying, mind your P's and Q's. When I hear that saying, I think it means that a person is to be on their best behavior. You may think that it means paying attention to details. Well, either one can be right. That's the case because there are different explanations in regard to the origin of that saying. One explanation is that young typesetters, people who set individual letters into place for the printing presses, an occupation that is long gone, were told to mind their P's and Q's because the lowercase letters of P's and Q's were alike. One of the letters had its stem on the right side and the other had its stem on the left side. The same mirror image occurs with the lowercase b's and d's. The typesetters were told to pay close attention to details so that the p's and the q's would not get in the wrong places. The same meaning, meaning for that saying possibly comes from British pubs in days gone by. The ales served were served in pints and quarts, and when the bar's patrons ran a tab, a P or a Q was written on a slate behind the bar. This allowed the pub's owner and his customers to keep track of their pints and quarts how much they had to drink, and how big was their tab. Another explanation for the origin of that saying comes from this, that young children were being told to mind their manners, to be sure to say please and excuse me. For little children, the please came out as peas, and the excuse me came out as cues me. They were to mind their P's and Q's. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to mind their P's and Q's, but he did tell them to be mindful of some things. He told them to be mindful of the things of God. What Jesus said to his disciples, he also says to us, be mindful of the things of God. One of the things that we are to be mindful of is why Jesus came into this world. Jesus was rightfully concerned that his disciples really didn't understand why he had come. That's why he told them very clearly that he must, must, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Indeed, it was for this very purpose that Jesus came into this world. He didn't come into this world in order to establish a kingdom like the kingdoms of this world. No, he came to establish a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom with no borders, a kingdom that didn't use force, a kingdom made up of people of all races and languages, and a kingdom that was eternal. This is the kind of kingdom he came to establish, and he did so. 
his suffering and death and resurrection being essential to doing so. And indeed, it is a kingdom that exists in this world today and will exist till the end of time. It is this spiritual kingdom that Jesus came into this world to establish, and it's a kingdom that we need to keep in mind. Being mindful of the things of God also includes being mindful that our ways are not God's ways. Peter illustrated how our ways are not like God's ways when he reacted to what Jesus said about going to Jerusalem and being rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and being killed. Peter said, far be it from you, Lord, that this will ever happen to you. Peter had in mind a glorious earthly kingdom, one in which Jesus would not die, but would reign as a glorious earthly king. Jesus' reaction to Peter gives evidence of just far off base Peter was. Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. In trying to steer Jesus away from going to Jerusalem and being killed, Peter was acting as an agent of Satan. Satan didn't want Jesus to succeed in what he had come into this world to do. He didn't want Jesus to succeed in offering himself as the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Satan wanted the whole world, the whole human race, to be condemned along with him. In this regard, Satan's will was diametrically opposed to God's will. Whereas Satan wants all to be lost and condemned to hell, God wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus told Peter that he was not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. The human mind, by nature, thinking along the same lines as Satan. But we aren't in a position today to try to persuade Jesus to turn away from the cross. Still, our ways are often not God's ways. Our ways would be to reward people we consider as good, to reward them with good health and adequate wealth. Oftentimes, however, it seems that it's those we consider as bad people who enjoy such blessings and those we consider good experiencing poor health and financial problems. Our ways are not God's ways. Our ways would be that there would be no wars in this world. God's ways, however, include allowing wars to take place to accomplish his good purpose, purposes which are always hidden from us. Our way in regard to people entering heaven involves thinking good people. Good people in our eyes and in the eyes of the world should be the ones entering heaven. And bad people, well, bad people in our eyes and in the eyes of the world should be condemned to hell. But in God's eyes, the only people who are good are those who have faith in his son whereas all without faith in Christ are bad, evil in his sight. We human beings in general do not approve of the way God judges. 
we think we should be judged purely on the basis of our works. God's ways, however, is not to judge us by our works, but purely by his grace through faith in his Son. Those with faith in his Son are judged to be perfectly holy, while those without faith are judged by God to be entirely evil. Since this is so contrary to human reason, reasoning, we need to keep in mind that God's ways are not our ways. Being mindful of the things of God also means being mindful of just what being a follower of Jesus entails. Jesus spoke of this saying, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To deny oneself is to admit that there is nothing that we can do to make us worthy of being followers of Jesus and entering heaven. Jesus spoke of this when he said, whoever would save his life will lose it. The word translated as life here can also be translated as soul. Thus it appears that what Jesus is saying that whoever would save his soul will lose it. If you think you can save your own soul, if you think you can do the works necessary to save yourself, then your soul will be lost, condemned to hell. God's word clearly says we cannot save ourselves, saying all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Following Jesus also involves taking up one's cross. A cross in Jesus' day was made of wood, and people who took up such a cross carried it to their place of execution where they were crucified and died. With these words about taking up one's cross, Jesus was not talking about picking up a wooden instrument of torture and death. But like taking up a wooden cross, he was talking about taking up something that could bring about one's physical death. What he was talking about was taking up faith in him, being one of his followers. This cross, believing in Jesus, has down through the ages been something for which people have been executed. Today, too, in a number of places in this world, people are being put to death because they are believers in Jesus. They are dying because of the cross they took up. Jesus was referring to this physical death when he said, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Though the Greek word for life here could be translated as soul, as was said earlier, it does in this case refer to physical life. If anyone loses his physical life for Jesus' sake, they will find it. They will find life, eternal life. Jesus elaborates on this saying, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his life? Again, here the word translated as life could also be translated as soul. And here it does have a spiritual eternal meaning. 
this is the case because everyone is going to die physically. So everyone's physical life is going to be forfeited at some time. But not everyone's soul will be forfeited. If you trust in the material things of this world and not in Jesus, then you will be forfeiting your life, your soul, your eternal life. In regard to giving something in exchange for one's life, when it comes to physical life, this sometimes does take place. A person's physical life may be spared because of what's given, either a ransom paid to a kidnapper or a fortune spent for medical care. There's nothing, however, that anyone can give in exchange for their soul. Using a colloquialism, not all the tea in China can save your soul from hell. What can save your soul from hell has already been given. What's been given is the perfect life, the perfect life of God's Son lived for you, and the life of God's Son given into death in payment for your sins. We can be confident that Jesus accomplished the salvation of our souls because he didn't remain dead, but rose again on the third day. His victorious resurrection is proof that he accomplished what God says is the reason that he came into this world. We are told that he came into this world to seek and to save the lost, to give his life as a ransom for many, and that all who believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus spoke about the proof of his success in accomplishing what he came into this, do, into this world to do when he said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Since those who heard these words of Jesus died a long time ago, having tasted death, Jesus must have been referring to something other than his coming in glory on the last day. The kingdom his disciples saw Jesus coming into was not a kingdom of glory, but a kingdom of grace. His kingdom of grace was established when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. There were indeed those standing there with Jesus who wouldn't taste of death before they saw Jesus coming into his kingdom in this way. Though Jesus wasn't referring to his coming in glory when he said that there were those standing there with him who would not see death until he saw, till they saw him come into his kingdom, Jesus did refer to his second coming in this lesson from Matthew. He did this when he said, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father with his angels. He added that at that time, he'll, he will repay each person according to what he has done. Though this sounds as if people will be judged or saved on the basis of their works, it can't be that way because of what other clear passages of Scripture say. Those clear passages tell us that we are not saved by our works, but by God's grace through faith in Jesus apart from our works. 
the repayment for what a person has done is made after the division of the sheep and goats takes place. That is, after the righteous have been separated from the unrighteous. The unrighteous are those without faith in Jesus and nothing good will be seen in them, only their sins. They will be rewarded according to their sins, eternal condemnation with different degrees of suffering and hell. The righteous, on the other hand, are those with faith in Jesus. Having faith in Jesus, they will be seen as if they had never done anything wrong, having the full forgiveness of all of their sins. Only their good deeds, purified through faith in Christ, will be seen by the judge Jesus. They will hear Jesus say to them, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. They will then be rewarded according to their works. We're told that some will shine with the glory of the sun, others will shine with the glory of the moon, others with the glory of stars, and stars differing in glory from one another. When I began, I spoke of the meaning of the saying, mind your P's and Q's. Certainly it is good for Christians to pay attention to details because inattention and carelessness are not good traits for anyone. It is also desirable for Christians to have good, mem good manners, remembering to say, P's and Q's me. But the P's and Q's our Lord would have us to pay the greatest attention to are the truths that he has revealed in his holy word. We are to be mindful of the things of God. Mindful of why Jesus came into this world to give his life as a ransom for us. Mindful that Jesus rose from the dead. Mindful that our ways are not God's ways. Mindful of what being a follower of Jesus entails. Taking up one's cross, that is, having faith in Jesus. And mindful that Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. May God grant that in your having been mindful of the things of God today, you have been strengthened in your faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, your Savior, from sin and death. In his name, amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.